Welcome to Season 11, Episode 1. Well, good morning. This is Lenny Lawson, the car guru. I'm not sure if I have failed to wish you a happy new year. It is a new year. This is episode number one for the new year. I recorded a couple episodes and played them so far this year, and I apologize. I know you guys don't like recordings, so especially reruns. I get it. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you're running a business and, and you've got a lot of grandkids, and thank goodness I only have one wife. I never could shake her. Started at age 16. She was 15. And um, never could quite figure out a way to get rid of her. So I just decided to hold on for dear life, and it's been great. And I am totally kidding. I'm just glad she didn't throw me out. And hopefully she's not listening. So I went to uh, Gateway Number 2 yesterday evening to see how how much progress we have made on restoring my facility. So basically, I have an 8,000-square-foot showroom over there, and I have a finance company that actually has offices in there, and all of that was saturated. And we had a drop ceiling. It was a very old drop ceiling. That place used to be a building supply store, and it had a drop ceiling of you know, it was really stout so that they could hang light fixtures and stuff like that from it. As a matter of fact, it was even electrified. There are outlet plugs everywhere along that uh, those strips. So had to make a decision whether I was going to tear that out or not. I told him to leave that and to just tear out the, uh, the ceiling tiles themselves. And there was about two feet of insulation piled on top of those ceiling tiles. It was a mess. Well, they finally got all that out. Now I can see my exposed inner roof. And it's, I think I'm going to leave it that way. I think I'm going to take out some of the grid, like every other one. I'm going to put new insulation, spray foam insulation on the ceiling, and then I'm going to paint it all black so that it's not noticeable. So when you walk in, you know, you'll just see, I mean, I don't think people will really look up and see it. We'll have our all of our exposed duct, you know, HVAC ducts and stuff, so... I think it'll be nice. I was in Aubrey's the other night. That's a, a local restaurant chain. Looked up, and that's exactly what they did. They put a grid in, but there's no uh, ceiling tiles, and you can see the, you know, the air ducts and the fire extinguishers or the sprinkler system. Hopefully, theirs won't freeze. And we've had a time getting mine fired back up again. Every time they put new fittings, they find another leak, and all of that was caused by extremely cold weather, and these rolling blackouts that the Tennessee Valley Authority imposed upon all of the um, all of the different utility providers, like ours is called Greenville Light and Power. I think in Washington County it's, uh, what, Bright Ridge or something like that. But they made us turn off, well, they turned off the power. They didn't give us an option. Well, when they did that, my gas heaters, two of them, did not reignite. Two out of four didn't. And um, it just so happens that the ones that are just opposite those units or the, the sprinkler system heads that were the furthest away from the units are the ones that froze and exploded. So, uh, you know, all of that is ripped out. I'd say we'll be back in business in probably 60 days, I'm hoping. So the insurance company, thank goodness we have insurance that pays business interruption insurance. I was looking at all the different things that I need. I need loss of use. Um, I need money for teardown and cleanup, which most of that's done. New sprinklers, well, new sprinkler system parts, not all of it. I've got to get my failed AC units or heat units fixed. Uh, 
and then replacement cost of all the ceiling tiles and, and insulation, even though I'm not going to do it that way. So I'm just going to get the money for replacing what I had and just use it in a different way. You know, people do that lots of times when they're working on uh, antique cars. They will, uh, they'll get some money and they'll decide to just do it a different way than the way it was originally done. And, you know, sometimes that, that works out pretty well. Those are called resto mods. I'm in the middle of a resto mod project right now. I bought a 1965 um, Mustang convertible. It was a little C-code car, which is a 289 two-barrel. Somebody had put a four-barrel carburetor on it at one time. And it was a, kind of a reddish-orange color. And I thought it had it sold uh, to a good friend of mine. And he decided, as I kept calling him and telling him the, the, uh, the cost were going up, he said, can I back out of this deal? And I said, sure. So I decided to change it. And I changed a number of things on the car, which I... It's a lot easier when you don't go back all original. I mean, you can go back all original, and sometimes the value will be um, equal to or greater than a resto mod. But resto mods are just easier because you can order any kind of parts. Like I did a disc brake conversion. You know, the thing came with drum brakes in the front and drum brakes in the rear, and they were non-power. Well, I converted the whole braking system to a power brake system, with discs on the front and the rear. Also got rid of the skinny, yucky little tires, 14-inch wheels, and put on some modern 16-inch wheels. They don't look too big. It'll be nice and nice radial tires. Makes it drive a lot better. What else did I change? Oh, yeah, oh, well, I put a four-barrel carburetor on it and uh, put headers on it. Headers are a uh, something you, you replace the exhaust manifold, where the exhaust comes out of the engine, and you put these real smooth, pretty pipes that come out and they're much they allow the engine to breathe better they let the exhaust gases escape in a much smoother uh, flowing way and it adds extra power they can add as much as 15 to 20 horsepower with a good set of headers so i'm not going to make it loud i told the muffler guy i said listen when you did my bronco we're going to have to do it again he put a muffler on there and it goes and i don't really like that I said, make it sound like when it came out of the factory. And so that's what I'm doing with this Mustang. But also, I'm, instead of putting a, a um, just a plastic top, you know, a convertible top, I'm going with canvas. Like it's, a, it's fabric, and it's going to be pretty. So it's going to be a real pretty white color. Matter of fact, it's, a, it's Lincoln white for this past year, the Lincoln color that we had. So it's going to be white with a red interior, beautiful red interior, and a black top. And I think it's going well, the reason I think it's going to be really pretty because I saw one just like it. I did not create that color scheme. I was inspired. And that's the, I, I guess that's one of the things that uh, a resto mod does is you get inspired by something that you see and you want to change it, then you can change it. You're not worried about winning a, a show, an Antique Automobile Club of America award, because they only award folks or reward folks who put vehicles back original. And there's a lot of value in that. I've got a Mustang out in the showroom, a 66 K-Code Mustang Fastback, and it's all put back original. But you know what? I'm almost afraid to drive it because I don't want to mess anything up. I want a car that I can drive and enjoy and let people see. You know, I've, I've told several people, they say, well, why do you collect cars? I said, well, one of the reasons is because it puts smiles on people's faces. 
I love smiles and I love conversations that are generated when they see an old car. My daddy used to have one of those or I drove one of those in high school and we just talk and enjoy our time together. So that's one of the advantages. So maybe you want to do a resto mod. You know, if you've got an old car and it's in your garage and and it's been sitting there and you don't drive it because it's maybe not drivable. Uh, Maybe it needs some work. A lot of people have them. You know, if it's got two doors instead of four doors, that's always a better car to restore. If it's any older truck, they're really hot. I was going to go over with you today some of the really hot stuff right now. Maybe you have something like this, and it's something that maybe is fine the way it is. You can drive it and enjoy it because that's what it's all about. I mean, if it doesn't need a paint job, don't paint it, especially if the paint is decent and it's original paint. You don't want to paint it because originality is really hot right now on the market. Let's say you have an old, I don't know, uh, early 70s Camaro, Z28. And uh, those cars are really going up right now. If it's got original paint and it's in decent shape, it's worth way more than if you spend eight or $10,000 putting a semi-good paint job on it. You know, a really high-end paint job on a, let's say, a 72 Camaro. If it's really done right, all the glass is pulled out of it, the doors are taken off, everything's sprayed independently and then put back on the car and all the lines are straight and everything. That could cost between fifteen and eighteen thousand dollars. Paint is really expensive. And I'm not talking about the, the cost of the labor and stuff. That's bad enough. The cost of a gallon of paint, if it's a good high quality paint, can be anywhere from eight hundred a gallon to fifteen hundred. So I've I've heard of some paints costing as much as two thousand dollars a gallon. So it's not worth it. It's better to just to keep the car original if it looks good. A lot of people uh, think that you know, well, if you're going to restore a car, you got to paint it. Well, that used to be the thing: is do a, a frame off restoration. Part of it is uh, the hassle is just finding somebody that that can do it. You know, your typical body shop that repairs wreck cars, they don't do restorations. If you've got an old car that you want to get restored, don't bother going to some you know commercial body shop that does work for I don't know State Farm, Farm Bureau, anybody like that, Progressive. They don't want to do restorations. It takes too much time and effort. And the level of perfection that is required, especially from somebody who is a collector like me and has very high standards as far as paint jobs, it's not worth it to them um, unless they are, unless they love it. You know, you'll find that most of the people that are in the body shop business that really love it, they love it because they're doing old cars. Um the, the other kind of body shop, it's just a business. You know, it can be a very profitable business. And, but I, you know, I just rarely do I talk to a body shop manager who just loves working with insurance companies and with customers who have, you know, varying levels of, of uh, knowledge about body repairs and stuff and having to please some of them. Everybody has different standards. When everybody has the same standard and that's excellent, then at least you know the target that you're aiming for. You know, if you know, as long as you can agree with somebody, I mean, there's some people think, well, surely you can paint a car for two or $3,000. Yeah, you can. I, I remember there's a guy up in, I think he was in Kingsport, Tennessee, that he would paint a car for three ninety nine or four ninety nine, something like that. That paint job would last about mm, 11 to 15 months before it started peeling off, flaking off or disintegrating. And also, they didn't really take anything off of the car to paint it. Well, why would you have to take something off the car? See, lots of times they just tape things off. 
And uh, if you're getting a car fixed at a body shop, for example, uh, you've wrecked your car. We, I did a whole show on, on what you, your expectations should be from a body shop. Maybe you need to go back and listen to, to that one. I, I can't remember what number that was. That was in last season. But you can get all this um, information, all the, these podcasts. That, of course, I'm converting this radio show to a podcast right after I finish doing it. Uh, and I send it to Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So you can download it there and listen to that show on um, body shops. But, you know, you can really destroy the value of a car by not getting it done correctly and having a bunch of tape lines on it, you know, body panels that don't line up. Uh, there's just a number of things. Overspray, like on the frame or inside the, the gas door or underneath the hood, you know, the body shop's job, they want to satisfy you, kind of, but they really want to satisfy the insurance company by getting it out on time. And the way that they make money is by, kind of like a restaurant does, turning the tables. You know, they get somebody to come in, and, and they sit down family of four, and they eat. They order. They eat. And you want them out so somebody else can sit there and order and eat and pay, of course. Body shop's the same way. They want to turn and turn those dollars, get more people in and more people out. It's a factory. A restoration shop is kind of like that, but on a much slower scale. They're looking for perfection, however long it takes. Now, they can make money doing that because they charge a lot. They charge for their time. I know this one restoration shop that I use a lot. I get a discount from them. They charge me $85 an hour working on a car. Now, if there's two guys working on a car, it's $170 an hour. And many restoration jobs can take approximately 1,000 hours to 2,000 hours in many cases. And some of the most exotic cars, they'll be way more than that. Because these people that, that show cars at Amelia Island and uh, you know at the Concours d'Elegance or at Pebble Beach, money is not really an object. They're looking for perfection. And sometimes when they win those awards with those cars, they'll take them back and put them back in the stable for a while, and they'll get tired of looking at it. And so they'll auction it off at like the a Gooding auction or a RM auction. You know, the, some of the really high-end people, they don't mess with Barrett-Jackson or the Meekum auction. You may have seen some of those on the Motor Trend channel. Now, they're too far above that. The, they don't mess with the, the small... Well, those are high-volume auction houses, and it's a really good show for us normal people. But for the ultra-rich, nah, they're swapping. Sometimes they'll swap between owners, but I think they like the auctions because you know what they like to do? They like to sit in that audience and raise that paddle and bid. They want people to see them bidding $4.2 million for a Duesenberg or something like that. And that's, but that's okay. If that's what they want to do, that's fine. It's their money, right? Okay, I'll take a break. I'll be back in just a second. Okay, I'm Bach, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator. Okay, so what's hot on the auction market right now? Some of this stuff really surprises me. Back when I was probably 12 years old, my dad came home from a business trip, and he he called us to come to the front door, and he said, boys, look up there. And, and our house kind of sat below the, the level of the street, and on the street was his station wagon. In his station wagon, the overhead light was on, shining upon two brand-new Honda Trail 70 motorcycles. 
how could he get them into the back of a station wagon? Well, they had fold-down handlebars. They were really cool. I think he paid about $350 a piece for those two motorcycles, and that was a big hit for him, you know, based on what he was making back in 1960. I'm thinking that's probably 68, 69, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, so fast forward to today, those Honda 70s are bringing between $4,000 and $5,500. I saw one sell and bring a trailer for $5,500 the other day. Why would somebody want one? Well, you know, these rich people, like we were talking about before, they drive these big motorhomes, and they're somewhat nostalgic, and they probably had a Honda 70 when they were growing up, so they buy a pair of these Honda 70s, put them on the back of their motorhome, and they get all kinds of oohs and ahs. Uh, you know, it, it's again, it's one of those things where people like to look at something. I had one of those just like that when I was a kid. And that's just kind of fun. It starts conversations and, you know, it feeds their ego maybe a little bit. So the Honda dirt bikes, any kind of dirt bike pre-1980, those things are hot. Honda 50s, that was the baby brother to the Honda 70. Honda 125s, uh, 250s, Yamaha 125s and 250s, those things are bringing good money. And there are people that that search the world over for those things right now, restore them, because you can restore one of those little Honda 70s. If it's in really bad shape, if you don't have to rebuild the motor or anything, probably $1,500 to restore one or less. And then you can turn around and sell it for $5,500. That's pretty good return on investment, depending on how long it takes. So what else is hot? Uh, three-wheelers. You remember three-wheelers? They got banned because they were unsafe. Well, they're really hot right now. Those Honda, Honda three-wheelers, uh, Yamaha, Suzuki, they made them into four-wheelers because four-wheelers were a little bit more controllable. But the three-wheelers are bringing big bucks right now. Any Ford trucks from the 90s are starting to get hot. The Chevy C10s and K10s from... Let's see, when did they go to the square body? They call them the square bodies. And they were, start, let's see, they began in 1973. And they stopped production of that body style in 1987. It was a pretty long run. Well, those are really hot right now. And they can be in restored or unrestored condition. Now, if you have one and it's all rusted out, and, you know, no more bed panels on it, you know, it's just completely rusted on the cab corners and along the rocker panels, then. It may not be a hopeless case, but if it's a long bed and a two-wheel drive, it's not going to bring big money. If it's a short bed in two-wheel drive or a short bed four-wheel drive, look out because it will bring big bucks right now, especially if it's got the original motor. But there again, if you do a resto mod and you put a like an LS motor in it out of a Corvette, and really fix it up. You know, sometimes you can do that for less than putting one back original. It will bring real big money. I'm talking about an original restoration might bring 65000 If it's a really high-quality resto mod with an LS motor in it and uh, maybe a Tremec 5-speed transmission or some fancy automatic, maybe a 10-speed automatic, um, you're talking $120,000 to $150,000. I'm not kidding. I'll let you think on that just a second. I'll be back in just a few seconds here. Okay, so to finish this out, what else is hot? VW buses are still hot. And pretty much the later model, not, well, from the 70s and 80s, the early 80s, they're starting to get hot. But, you know, for a while there, the split window um, buses, like the, the one I had, I had a 66 model with split windows. And it was an 11 window bus. 
The more windows they have, the more they're worth. The, the most valuable one is called the 23 window. Imagine that. Look it up. Uh, they're pretty cool looking, but they're, they'll still bring in the $100,000 range if they're totally restored. Old Land Rover Defenders, they're really hot right now. Uh, 240Zs. And believe it or not, the Firebirds and Camaros from the uh, early 80s are starting to get hot. Problem with a lot of those cars is they had so much plastic on them. And it's, you know, it's hard to get that plastic, and they don't, uh, as far as replacement parts, and it's very difficult to repair. wouldn't take that on. But if you have one, you might have uh, a market for it. Uh, I always look at bringatrailer.com. It is my favorite go-to place to look at what's going on in the market. And I use it to also uh, come up with values of cars. Like if somebody comes to me and says they, they have an old Buick, maybe a 53 Buick Skylark, which would be a really cool car and they wanted to know what it was worth, I would go to Haggerty's and look on uh, Haggerty's website and see what how they would value it. And then I'd go to bring a trailer. And then I would probably just do a search and see what some are bringing at some of the bigger auctions. and Because that helps you. But then again, I mean, if you've got one in your garage, it's probably not near as good as some of those that are being sold. So you have to make sure you're comparing apples and apples. Because that's a better way to get a a fair comparison, and to know what your car's really worth. If you need help with something like that, I'll be glad to come look at it, as long as you pay my expenses. No, I, really, if you're within the southeast region and you've got a really unique car, I'm a buyer for it, but I'm a buyer for just about anything. You can call me, 423-552-2020. With a new car dealership and uh, a separate used car operation, I'm always looking for nice used cars to buy, so if you ever have something you want to sell, I'm a buyer that's not why I do the radio show, but I thought I'd mention that. You can email me at uh, LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com. I spell Lenny, L-E-N-N-I-E. Well, I didn't. My mom did. And if that's the way she spelled it, that's good enough for me. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.